All right. Well, ready to rock and roll? Yeah. Seko, have you done a podcast before? I actually don't think I have. I was trying to think about it. I've done things that have, I've done like radio things that have become podcasts, but not a podcast. Very different things. Yeah. Um, welcome to a real podcast, Thank Harko so Meets much. Humans. It's, it's, uh, I'm here with Lontalius slash Race Banyan. Yeah. Slash how, how many pseudonyms have you operated under in your illustrious career? Honestly, not that many. There was shipwreck before Lontalius, and for a while it was just it was just one SoundCloud page that had everything. <laughs> yeah, the amalgamated best of. Yeah, and then I was like, this doesn't this <laughs> this beat I just made with an eight oh eight doesn't really work next to the <laughs> singer songwriter song. Um, for a bit of context, we were talking before, and so when I, and when I saw you at camp, were you saying that you were fourteen when I saw you at camp? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Is that when you'd start or did you start slightly earlier than that? It was basically, I think, tw- around, tw- I was 12, I think. That was basically when I, when I joined Twitter and then started <laughs> um, talking shit on the internet. And then, <laughs> um, and then me and Stephen Meyer actually did some stuff together. I don't know if you remember that. Tim is hard. Um, what name did you do that under? I State think, of the Sleepy. I, I think I missed that. That was very. That was a long time ago. Well, shout out to Stephen Ma, who shout is out. now a roundhead. Um, what a pro! Dopra was the man, and, and Dopra as well, which yeah. is, I think, a, I think, an underrated New Zealand act now. Probably. I agree. Um, yeah. How did, how did you two? Was it an internet connection? Yeah, I think it might have even been MySpace. Oh my god! I think I caught, I caught the very end of MySpace. Beautiful. That was a beautiful. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> it's the most fond thought of for yeah. me. Social media is MySpace. It was pretty special. Did you have any? Mu- did you have a music page on MySpace then? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'd, it's such a shame that all of that is just like gone. I think some of it's still there, but I tried. I definitely tried to find my own stuff there, and it's not. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where any of that stuff is. I think I found the. I think I found the These Dancing Wolves mm. one. Yeah. Um, that James Gibbs yeah. set up. A shout out to James Gibbs because, like, <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, like. Him and how how he used MySpace yeah. to connect with bands is probably Whoa, why I'm I here do remember now. That. Thinking yeah. back on it, because he, it it was crazy. Just as like a Timaru person, like and and I'm quite a normal person. I probably wouldn't have ever thought to like reach out to people. But mm. James, being an Auckland person stuck in Timaru, was like, yeah. I have to fucking do something to get out. Of here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> should I reaching out to people? It's such it was the Wild West. I rem- I actually I I saw him whatever, a few months ago now, and I, I remember thinking like, what, what band were you in? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, oh, he starts in Wolves. It's crazy. Chief King Sarah, that was a really good song. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> it was funny, it's been, um, uh, I've, the, a guy called Matty Vailer works mm. at um, Crumb now, yeah. um, and he was in Cool Cult yeah. and a lot of other bands, but we'd never met one another, and now he works at the cafe, we've become very fast friends, and had both just realised that we were, both on the um, compilation that James Puppy yeah, T yeah. Records put out. Did you have a song in there as well, yeah. the Under 18? Yeah. yeah. I think there needs to be like some kind of um, like archival historical documentary on, on, on not only that, but kind of just everything James has done. Yeah, I know. It's so funny when there's all these just like, it's kind of, we were talking just before about like, I feel like when I started getting, well, when I was a kid, New Zealand music was really exciting and like quite, you know, it was 
popular in the country with you know the Mintrix and all these bands and then and then I feel like by the time I started making music myself that had all died down because of just the change in music industry but then there was I feel like there was this period of like five years where like there was no New Zealand music on the radio but there were just all these communities and all these like kids just trying to make stuff happen I mean like when also because when I started talking to James when I was like 13 and I I think in my head he was like 25, but he would have been 18, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, for a, for a context, James is James from Carb on Carb and Papiti Records. And I know him through, his, he put a, out a compilation of like, um, oh, is it, was it Pleasure to Be? No, what was it? What was Pressure the full title? Be. Pressure to Be. Pressure to Be. It was all New Zealand music made by people under the age of 18. Mm. And like, that was incredibly an incredible eye-opening compilation. But he also made bootlegs of yeah ba- some bands that no longer exist. Yeah, I mean, he has a recording of my very first show. Like, it's, oh my god, <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, yeah. and like, it's fun. I, yeah, I do kind of want to know more about because for me personally, I I don't know. I have like a sense. Uh, I don't have the same sense as you in a, in, a, in in terms of like for me that period seemed really exciting mm. and a lot was going on yeah. and a lot of young stuff was going on and and, and almost like DIY, like um, very independent stuff was going on. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like right now the New Zealand music is thriving, but it's, it's the very traditional sense of the music industry is thriving. I, yeah. I, and maybe I'm just, old which I am yeah. and out of the loop which I totally am that th- there might be this whole like young person independent band th- and act thing going on but I just don't see it as much like so yeah. it's interesting hearing you talk about your view of, of that stuff I think I mean I, I guess it's shifted from a it used to be quite a physical thing as in you know I, I would go to shows and yeah one of the one of the first shows I went to was like an all ages show with with a bunch of James's bands and like Never Nudes and all these guys. <sighs> and it was at the Arrow Valley um, like hall in, in Wellington. And it was supposed to be like an all ages show. And I was the only person there who wasn't a friend of the, of the bands. So they kind of, they kind of all just like took me under their wing and like hung out with me, which was very sweet. Um, but yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like, there was so many, so many bands and they would be traveling around the country all the time. Yeah. But I feel like now it's much more of an, an internet focus thing I have a I, I hope I'm not throwing him under the bus here but I have a, I have a friend called Dan who's plays bass in racing yeah. and we talk about this a lot and he kind of has the idea that um, bands just don't like playing live they just don't play gigs anymore Yeah. I wonder if that has anything to do with it like like you said like it was far more physical yeah back then oh, so I've, I've talked about this a lot that like it's like the classic story of like anyone's any like and well especially in a kind of rock music context but anyone's success is that you point to a point in their career where they played a thousand shows you know the Beatles went to Hamburg or whatever and literally just they talk about like playing for eight hours and like taking speed to like (laughs) stay up all night but you know like that's how they got good and then any other band even the New Zealand bands talk about like the, the pub circuit here and playing and Timaru and and places like that. Um, that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, I think it probably does for a certain kind of band, but you know, I I, I played plenty of shows as a teenager, but 
that didn't lead me it didn't lead me down a direct path to success you know yeah right it didn't have that like there wasn't an energy there that kept you doing it for whatever reason yeah. not that you don't play live but i mean yeah. like oh this is the thing i do yeah and had you had you uh, like flashing forward a bit have you done long tours and when, when when you were living in America, did you do any touring? Or you, you've been in songwriting mode for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I've done, I've done a few little tours and like a handful of shows, but never any full big touring. But I think that a lot of that is just because my my fan base and my growth has really happened on a like pretty disparate world level. It's on like, the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it's just like. I could, you know, if you looked at my numbers on Spotify, you'd be like, oh, he could do a tour easily. But it's like... That's not how the Spotify not, numbers work. No, yeah. Man, I was, I just as a little aside, like I think it's crazier that there are Spotify, that, that Spotify publicly has the numbers that songs have been streamed. Yeah. I think it's crazy. I think it's crazier than the likes on Instagram. Yeah. But that, even then they took, they took that and, away. And they've gotten rid of that. <laughs> yeah. I uh, yeah, it, it's just because we I, I've when two cartoons was operating, we had we we had a record label and they paid a PR person who I assume just had favors with Clash magazine or or yeah, whatever yeah. to put our song on there, yeah. and then Clash probably has a relationship with a with a playlist at Spotify, so our song got on the playlist. So it's like none of that was earned; all of that was essentially in my mind paid for. Yeah. And one of our songs ended up getting like 800,000 streams. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I was like, uh, before that point, I think I'd assumed like, oh, that would, if someone said you're going to get like, you know, almost a million streams on a song, I'd be like, holy shit, that'll mean like all this stuff is happening. I just remember waking up the next day and then like day after day after day, life not changing at all. Yeah. Life not changing at all. Gigs not changing at all. Yeah. All of this stuff not changing at all, except now that it had happened and because I wasn't, old enough to have grown through it and also because of how they publicly display numbers and all these things I was now focusing on like well I've got to get the number I, well you yeah. know got to keep the numbers up and that's yeah. just so fucking toxic dude yeah I know oh it's 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 been re- a really interesting time to just like think about like you know there are obviously all these like problems with the way things work now but I, I feel like my brain is just like trying to work out how is it different to other eras of music in terms of like um well i feel like we we always we always kind of talk about this like maybe it's like it's a bit over music is kind of over commercialized now and we kind of rely a bit too much on on you know numbers and like money and like making use of that but then it's like I mean, this is very annoying to mention the Beatles again, but I've been like reading a lot of very indulgent books. Very cool. Um, but it's just like they they talk about like, you know, it's like they're in the studio, they haven't finished their album yet, and Christmas is coming up, so they're like, well, we should probably put out something <laughs> because if we finish it tomorrow, it could be in stores by <laughs> December twentieth or whatever, you know. And it's like, and then that song is Hey Jude or something that we all. Um, idolize yeah and it's just like kind of realizing that like in the pop music space pop music is inherently commercialized it's it's a product it's the amalgamation of both of those things yeah yeah it's yeah it's it's strange but i i don't know it's 
again, like even talking about Spotify numbers, it's like maybe 10 years ago, it wasn't the numbers, but it was how many people are coming to your shows. Mm. Yeah. You know, if I don't get 300 people at my next show, then I'm a failure. You know? Do, are you, uh, how susceptible are you to that kind of um, influence on your art when you're making it? I think I am pretty susceptible to it, but but now like I'm in the just like now that I've I've I have one song that did really well, and just like continues to live its own life, sort of separated from my own from my own uh, self as an artist. But like now that I have that, and it's like literally money in the bank, I don't care about it anymore. But that's such a horrible thing that I've like it's taken me to get to this position mm. where I can be comfortable about like not getting, you know, whatever. Like I just put out the acoustic EP and it was just kind of like, no one's going to listen to this, but whatever. Well, I see lots of comments of people listening to it and I listen to it. Well, yes. Well, so there you, you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, because the acoustic songs, that was that you were just really on that vibe. You were like, I really want to, like you were excited about it. Yeah, and it's just like, also, I mean, this is this is kind of the the dark side of like, um, it's like it, it was also a point where it's just like, well, it's not very, um, it's not a good idea to release music in December because, or over the holidays because not you know not as many people are going to listen or like totally. whatever the people at Spotify aren't going to be at work or whatever you know yeah so it's just kind of like well but I don't want to stop putting out music because I'm making music all the time. Mm. So like an acoustic EP, that's a very easy thing to do and it's fun and, and yeah. Of course. Um, taking, a, taking a step back to the whole like live thing and you playing, because I know you were playing, like you said, when you were 14. Yeah. Um, and that, so you've been doing that for a long time. I actually, you guys, the Lontalius live band mm. Opened uh, for two cartoons, at, at, yep. and I think Males might have played that show as well. Oh wow, yeah. Um, and that was at the the Burgundy Room, <laughs> and you had like, yeah. I think if you look back on it, like a pretty, it would be considered a super group of people now. Yeah, yeah. Which was crazy. You guys are fucking awesome. <laughs> um, so you've been doing that forever, and now, and and obviously now, like songwriting. Um, as a real feather in your cap and something that you really like. When, yeah. when did the songwriting part start becoming a whole thing for you? Like, I, I think it was just the fact that people started listening to my music on the internet. Right. And it was like, there was no, as much as I, 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 I love playing shows and I find it like, I, as, a, as a musician, I find it like a really interesting challenge that I like want to do more of. Mm. But it's... I, I just transitioned into a world where the live show didn't matter as much because it's just not, you know, it's like people, there are people in New Zealand who know who I am, but like, not really. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a big artist here. You're kind of like a you in, in some ways you're like a musician's musician yeah, quite exactly. a lot. Yeah, it's it's not it's not. It would be even like trying to think about doing shows now. It's just like I just try to think about like how do I I I don't you know I I don't want to play like. I don't want to play a thousand more shows at Whammy, you know? It's like, I feel like I'm a bigger artist than that, but I'm not really in the local sense, um, which is just an interesting position to be in. But I think that's just the thing about a small country and a, um, yeah, and just a, a world where, you know, this kind of, there kind of can only be like five 
really popular indie musicians at a time, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we talk about like the, the Beth slot, yeah. you know what I mean? Which is where the Beths are now, yeah. which is like, because they're amazing. Yeah. Um, but there's kind of only enough attention on the media platforms we yeah. have for one act at a time, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I think I saw Anthony Fantano talked about that with um, like uh, female American rappers. Yeah. That yeah. there's like this narrative that there can only be like one big yeah. female rapper at a time. Yeah. And there must be competition between them if, if you know, if there's another one. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. If, the internet, like you said, but the internet kind of frees us of a lot of that stuff. I think mm. you just said before, like, um, that there's a there's a con, there's an idea that we live in a far more commercialized form of the music industry now, and that you made really good points, which I kind of personally agree with. That like that's kind of the same beast that just might pay attention to new new um, yeah. values, like yeah. it's you know what I mean. But the thing. The thing that I think we actually have gained that is new with the internet, and uh, I think it's a lot of what you do. Why, uh, like, I'm really curious and interested about your whole vibe, yeah. is because I think the internet, for the first time, we can do stuff outside of the box of that commercialized music industry yeah. and sustain or build or or do that in, in completely original or more, I'd say, personalized ways. Yeah, um, because the box of the music industry um, is it, it is set up to really benefit people who naturally fit that blueprint really well. Yeah, and it's really hard if you're not willing to put yourself in that blueprint, or it's not natural for you. But now, and I think you're really really good example of it. The internet actually does allow you if you if you want to, or if you're interested to really strike out and be your own thing, and you can find that support. Is that your yeah. experience of it? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's like, yeah, I think that is the, the, the main advantage is that it is like in a, in a very weird way, it is it has like democratized the like industry where anyone can be super successful. But I mean, that's not really true, but like in a certain way. In a way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I just like think about like the amount of like, I feel like when I was like 15 and making music in my bedroom, like, I like I really wanted success and to like to you know to sign to a label and do all these things but it 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 felt really traditional the way I had to do it you know it was oh, I have to play lots of shows and then have a label guy see come see me at the show and be impressed and then oh he's here he's here <laughs> yeah. we play good tonight and we play really well and <laughs> it's just this romantic you know story but it's like now it's just like I mean in my own thing it was like I was just doing covers and people took notice and then it just kind of all just like snowballed into a into a bigger thing and now you know like I'm literally living off of a song like a demo that I made five years ago mm. and it allows me to make music full-time like that's a and I own that song no one else has any hand in it right. you know yeah there's no label there's no nothing it's it's mine like that's a that's a really incredible thing and if you think about the industry as a in, in history, like um, you know, you always read about like bands that have a really successful first album or whatever, and then they never make any money off of it or whatever. It's um, 
yeah, it's 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 a it's a very interesting time. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean, and that's like a huge problem in terms of how the business model is set up. Is that like it's all about that the money is made in the in in the first thing you do. So yeah. the whole system is set up to capitalize off that one thing, yeah. which means that you like incentivize short, sharp careers yeah. instead of trying to support like a long term, uh, yeah, a long term career, yeah, which is something that you're going to be able to sustain. I guess you're kind of saying like out of uh, just like kind of luck or coincidence because you hadn't signed with anyone at that point. Like yeah, we, we, it was. It was I mean, were I, were I, you conscious of that at that time of like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm good. I've got this song to myself or. It, it, I had, because I had been with the label. My first album was with the label. Yeah. And that that's the song that's doing well now is like, it was just a demo that hadn't been involved and then I, I got dropped by the label, which was like sad but also great because I'm out of that contract. <laughs> um, after that, it was kind of just like, well, I should just like put out music for the people that listen to my music. Yeah, right. Just a very, it was for me, it was a very direct, like I know that I know that there's going to be a certain amount of people who want to hear this and then uh, it just blew up bigger. How much of that perspective do you think was formed by your... Um, experience with a record label. It was absolutely 100% formed by that, yeah. Because I had, yeah, I had, uh, we, you know, I had a very weird record label, but I had the same experience after it. Yeah. Um, have you, do you, how do you feel looking back on yourself and your um, journey with a, a, a label and, and being signed? Like what, what do you kind of like take from that whole period of your life? I mean, it's kind of the same thing that I view about around my time in LA. Is that like, it was not, it was not directly successful in a way that you can point to. It wasn't like, oh, I met this person and then I wrote a Rihanna record or whatever. You know that that didn't happen, even though I wanted it to. But it's like, it's, it's just such a. I am in such a like, I'm really thankful for the place that I'm in, where I kind of experienced all these sides of the industry and never really blew up. <laughs> like I'm, I'm interested in a beautiful position where I didn't get so famous that I didn't got, trapped. got trapped or didn't know what to do with it or whatever. It was just like I did things, learned from it, then did the next thing. Um, and I guess um, because now like I'm in a, like mentally, like I've sort of just like all, I've like cataloged everything I've learned and like I just like feel like I, um, you know, in some ways I feel like I'm invincible like right now because it's just like I've been through all this shit, like I can do it now, which I don't know if that's true. But um, but it's like, it is confidence building. Yeah, exactly. A lot of it, because a lot of it, it's smoke and mirrors is a bit of a like, uh, I don't mean it in a pejorative way, Yeah, which it usually is. But it, it is a lot of, it seems far more powerful and concrete than it is when you see the inside of how everything works, yeah. you know. And I think that does... Anyone who comes into anyone I've met who's come into contact with it, whether they're still operating at it or not, there's a far more, there's they're a lot more casual about it than people mm. who haven't, because I think they've seen yeah. how casual it is. Yeah, I think, and I think that's the, especially being back in New Zealand and like focusing a lot more of my energy and like thinking time around like what, how can this industry be better? I just think a lot about yeah, when you're when you're 17 or 18 and you maybe have a song that's doing well and then labels start talking to you and it, that all just seems so exciting because it feels like they can give you the world because, I mean, even in LA, it's like 
you know, we like we're going to sign with a booking agent, and then the booking agent takes us out for dinner, and then we all go see a show, and it's like, oh, this is a beautiful life that I'm going to live. But that's that's not the reality. It's like it's it's obviously their job to impress you and to to just grab you and take all the money from you. Um, so I feel like the real power is in like full transparency within with with young people to be like because it's I don't think I often people ask me if signing a la- signing to a label is a good idea or not and it's like right it's completely dependent on your situation like which which is the hardest most true answer to give back to someone yeah. they're just like that fucking doesn't help at all dude and we're like I know it's but it's just like I don't you know I, I have no regrets signing to a label me either it, it's it and even at the time, um, I mean, my manager Manu is very his whole shout out Manu. He's he pays us to be mentioned on every podcast. <laughs> That's right. Um, his whole ethos was transparency, and it was very much like with with everything that happened around that time in, in my career. It was I, I had a goal, and the easiest way to get to it was doing this or whatever. It was mm-hmm. like I signed a publishing deal which, you know, is a long term and whatever it might cause me troubles later, but I wanted to move to LA and I did not have enough money in my bank account to do that. Yeah. Um, so it's like every every decision, every career decision you have to make it just has to be like, you have to think about it in the realest terms, but that, that requires full transparency to be like, okay, I could sign to a major record label, but, and it might be amazing for the first two months, but then they might sideline me and, Whatever, and then I might not maybe make music for a year, but it's like you just have to you have to know what you're about to come in, come into. I think it's a very it, it it's it is, it's always a situation of it is kind of what you make of it, yeah. But which is really empowering. Like I I would say you probably feel the same way as me is that like right now if I got um into the same situation that I did like as many years ago when I was, when that exciting stuff was happening, I feel confident now that I'd be able to take the good stuff and leave the bad stuff and it would yeah. be a good experience. Um, because it is kind of like what the industry is your thing. You can do with it what you want. Yeah. In reality, that's how it works. Yeah. But also in reality, that's why younger people who haven't lived a life and don't necessarily know who they are or what they want. Yeah. Are the ones who are approached with all these deals and yeah. all this money because it, it, they don't know what to make of it so other people get to decide yeah. what is going to be made of this. Yeah. I mean it's just like it's an impossible thing really because it's like sometimes you just have to sometimes you have to take the thing that might have really bad consequences or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's just like yeah, it doesn't it's it's never going to be there's no such thing as a perfect the perfect label deal or a perfect career or whatever it's no. there's always going to be trade-offs and it's just about making that decision um but i feel like that's one of the i think one of the scariest things about new zealand is because it's so small and australia too i think because it's so small and like i mean i think all the people who work at labels and whatever are great people but it's it's the companies they work for do not have your best interests in mind and like publishing deals is an example where like 
say an Australian publishing de- publishing company might offer you ten thousand dollars and you've never even seen that much money before and like it might seem amazing but the truth of that is that if you kept working and maybe an American publishing label would offer you ten times that it's you have to be aware of all these things which but I think no one no one has you know yeah and I and like I've said it to the New Zealand Music Commission I've said it to other people I was like this is a business, almost a business understanding yeah. that aren't, isn't communicated in any relevant or public way to anyone interested in the music industry. Yeah, like yeah. we're really talking young kids, you yeah. know. Like, and let, like it's only just starting now, I would say, that even like established people are talking about and this information is becoming yeah. kind of widely known. Yeah, I mean like all these like, you know, like the Taylor Swift like owning her masters conversation. Like, it's crazy that there are like fifteen-year-old girls in Ohio or whatever who know about master rights. <laughs> like, isn't that insane? It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's nuts, man. It's 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 kind of like the blessing. I view it as the blessing of Spotify becoming this like evil corporation. Yeah. Uh, and it, and I, d- I don't mean evil in terms of like I think they're evil. I just mean in like they're, they're kind of becoming a comical world dominating um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> capitalist business entity yeah. with like a, a, a comically bald, evil looking. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I love it. Um, but it, because that's becoming so big, the conversation around the, the potential like um, bad points of, of yeah. the business model and stuff is also becoming big, which is really nice. Yeah. Especially in combination with what we said before, where in, in reality, you can kind of, if you know what you want to do, you can kind of enter into the music industry and use the internet to build any kind of platform for yourself you want. Yeah. So the more we know about the pitfalls or the more the conversation is about like things you might want to potentially avoid, um, the, the, the better anyone, the less people have to go through the system and and not it's not like we wasted those years because we learned no. a lot. Yeah. But if there was a way we could learn those lessons without having to go through the system, it probably would have also been like pretty good. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, changing gears a little bit, I I love the idea that you're Lontalis and Ray Spanion because I'm a big Caribou fan, and then obviously there's Caribou yeah. and, and 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 Daphne. Yeah, and a lot of artists do that. Yeah. Um, where when did you and why did you start making a distinction between and between Lontalis and Ray Spanion? And and what what is the distinction? Like, how, what is in your mind? What is a race banning track, and what's Lontalia's track? Is it a genre thing? Yeah, it's a, I guess it's a genre thing, but it, it's I don't know. But like people ask me that, and I'm just like I don't know. It's just like what's that like? The like there was there was that American like you know it's like I don't it's you can't define what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. Like yes, that's <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> um, it's kind of like that. It's just like. I just, as a like you know, like a young teenager, um, just obsessed with music. I fell in love with very different worlds of it. Like I, when I was like fourteen, and like, you know, from basically from like Fortet into like all the all the DJs around that time, I fell in love with dance music. At the same time, I was listening to whatever Neil Young. You like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's. It was just a a love for both worlds, and a love for doing both things. I think it's it is hard to like juggle them sometimes, but it also it had you know it's a great position to be in. It's like I mean I've always had this dream of like play a Lontalia show 
in like a beautiful old theater or something like with people sitting down and then play the after party <laughs> as Ray Spanion, you know, to do both. Well, it's kind of like the Solwax did that with Radio Solwax. You yeah, know? yeah. That I've, I've always thought that's like, peak musician you're like fuck yeah i get to like do the band and then do the dj set as well yeah yeah i totally get that um do you is it a is it a cyclical thing where it's like oh i'm just kind of making a lot of lontalia songs now because i'm in that vibe and then that might like die off a little bit and oh more race banyan songs are coming out right now or is it are you quite um focused on lontalius at the moment it, yeah, I think it is cyclical. I mean, it, it it usually happens when I finish a project. Like once I finish a Lontalis album, I don't want to hear my own voice or <laughs> do any of that stuff, you know? Because like you're mixing and producing everything yourself. Doing yeah, that. which yeah. I feel like I want to stop doing because okay. it's driving me insane. Um, but like, yeah, I feel like after a Lontalis project, like if I see an acoustic guitar, I just want to die. So <laughs> then I'm just like, well, let's play some dance music and I want to go to the club, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but I feel like, and it's sort of similar to what we're saying, like after experiencing the industry, like I do kind of get fueled by the business side of it where like if I if I see a way for Race Banyan to, um, to have a home or like, like right now we've been talking to some labels about Race Banyan and like, that just inspired me to make more Mary Spaniard because yeah. I just like thinking about it and imagining it in a different home or a different place. And then I'm just like, oh, this is great. I'm going to make more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you always been like, because I guess, like we said, you were associated with Blink very early on yeah. uh, and like James as well. Yeah. And like for me, they're kind of two of them. They're not business people and they would hate yeah. me describing them yeah. as business people which they're not, but they're, they're very normal, great people who have worked out how to run business and stuff like that. Is, yeah. do, are you kind of that same kind of person as well? Like you like thinking about how it's going to work and all that yeah. stuff. I mean, I think that also that is just like, I've always had a love of pop music and the machine around it, you know? That, yeah. I mean, that was like why I moved to LA because it was, once I discovered that like my favorite Beyonce songs were written by somebody, you know, like when I found out who the dream was and realized he'd written Umbrella as well as Single Ladies, I was like, that just blew my mind. I was like, I want to, I want to do that. Um, I feel, yeah, the kind of the whole world around it and like, yeah, I find the industry fascinating, all sides of it, which is, I mean, in some ways it's, I feel like, you know, like since working with Maxwell Young, like he's such a- Shout out Maxwell. Shout out Maxwell. He's such a- I mean, he he's interested in all this stuff too, but he's such a like, I would describe him as like a pure artist, as in he's just he's very like he's just so creative and like it just kind of flows out of him. I'm, I'm a man, bit, just his Instagram content. I know <laughs> exactly. I I feel like I'm a bit more of a it's a bit more pragmatic and a bit more like I want to do this thing and I want to do it really well. Mm. Um, so I don't as much as I am an artist, I don't really consider myself like an artist in that way I feel like I will always be because of because of what's happened in the last 10 years I will just always be a sort of business <laughs> business guy <laughs> Eddie's doing uh, air quotes while he says that in the air <laughs> it's just the, I mean, it's the worst uh, yeah but I just like 
Well, Kiwis are unique, not uniquely maybe, but it's specifically uncomfortable with that idea yeah. quite often. Well, I mean, because it's like, it can just come across as like entrepreneurial or like wanting to make money off of things. But like, it's it's because I love music so much. And I feel, honestly think the, the thing that fuels me is like when I was 12 and, you know, like the first Camp Home I went to, I was 14. And it's like, at that same time, I was like on the like Coldplay forums and stuff. And like, I would see a band like, the Minchicks or whatever, and I, I thought they were as good as whatever band I was talking about, you know, because like, you know, it was also the time when I was reading Pitchfork every day and being like, oh, the National got 8.3, and I was like, the Minchicks would get 8.3, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought these bands were as good as international bands, and then as I got older and like, um, not the Minchicks, but, you know, local bands, and you kind of see them have fun, and, and then they break up, and I was always just like, I, I just couldn't, it, my brain couldn't handle that. I was like, you're so good. I feel like the whole world would love you. But there was no path for them to do that, you know? Yeah. There was no one, no one was coming in there and snatching them up to take them to America or whatever. It's the classic, uh, I, I've, we've talked about it before, but only on the fringes, but uh, this idea that there are, how often there's been a great New Zealand band yeah. who put out a great first album, yeah. who toured that album amazingly. Then three years later, the second album comes out as they break up. Yeah, 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 exactly. And how that's like a weird, very common New Zealand narrative for band, like yeah. for our acts. It's nuts. But you're right. It, there is, it is even the Beths who are like fucking incredible, like almost a super group of some of the best yeah. musicians and songwriters that we've had in the, over the last like 10 years yeah. uh, having to work harder than every other band to just thread the needle yeah. of finding that pathway upwards and outwards. Yeah, it's just like there's so much work and it's, it's just like hard and like, uh, you know, for a lot of artists, they don't want to deal with, they don't want to have to understand Spotify or, or all this stuff, which is like totally fine. Like, um. But yeah, it's I think it's just a thing I think about every day, and like I hope <laughs> I hope there's a magical solution that I think <laughs> of one day in the shower or whatever. But like, it's how to how how can we like support young artists in a way that offers them a path to success, financial or critical or whatever they want, without signing their rights away or doing any doing any shady deals that leave them in a bad position. I think I think that's you know, just like because when I, because I was fourteen and I just loved music so much, it was like the driving thing in my life. I can see I can see that fade away in people because the industry is so hard to be in, and it's they don't see they don't see hope in it or or whatever, and that's just like devastating to me because it's just like it's it's so much fun. Music is so much fun. Yeah, I want everyone <laughs> to make a million dollars and live a beautiful <laughs> life. You know? Yeah, of course. It's just like I think. Do you not think that sometimes when people get older, they lose the the the, uh, the community sharing part of music? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's also like that that is the natural part of it, right? Like, not every band that you saw when you were eighteen is going to be famous. No, and not all of them are going to play music for the rest of their lives. Sometimes no. it is just a community. Everyone was playing in bands, so you played in bands. But there's there's always there's always going to be a handful of people who like are really dedicated and I feel like it's about nurturing that so that they never stop. Because the grind is tough. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is the grind uh, the, you, you you're probably in a, in a in a good position to answer this? Is the grind tougher as a as an artist under your own name and putting your own music out, or is the, or is it tougher in like more of the um, behind the scenes songwriting, um, more music industry part of it? Like, because you you in both ways you're kind of working to get more established. Yeah. Um, and but they have kind of different sides of the industry essentially. What, what in terms of context, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I mean that was kind of the thing in LA is it was like I was not I was not ready for the songwriter grind. And I'm still not ready for that. And I don't I don't know if I ever will be like wanting to go down that path, you know. Yeah, so can you talk a little because I've never done songwriting session stuff and all so I'm like quite fascinated by it all. Like I, I'm very familiar with the grind of being in a in a, an artist and trying to put yourself out there and doing the gigs and like yeah. I think that's quite well covered. But um what was your experience of of really being like I want to do the songwriting thing and I want to try and like grind my way at this? I mean it was very much just like you have to you'd have to do sessions every day. Right. And you'd have to pay to get there, you know, in a city like LA, it's it's very hard to get around. So, like, you know, I was taking like a fifty dollar Uber to get to the other side of town to do a session. Oh, and right. also, songwriting is the thing that pays the least <laughs> out of all of them. I mean, unless you, I don't know, unless every song you write gets put in a Netflix movie, um, it's. I just feel like it's 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 impossible to do unless you have something else going on. So I, I was able to do it for a little bit because I was an artist, and I, you know, I got signed to a publishing deal because I was an artist. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just like I, I like really feel for people who do that because it's it's pretty thankless. It's like you write a thousand songs a year, and then maybe one of them <laughs> becomes something, you know. Um, I'm curious when you when you're in a session writing a song, is are you less attached? Or equally attached to that song you're writing as one you would write on your own time. I think part of the reason I couldn't do it is because I couldn't get attached because I was thinking all the time about Lontalius or thinking all the time about Race Band, and then it comes time to just write a song for nobody. I couldn't get into it, you know. Um, but I think I, I mean this is something I've always thought that like there's this idea of pop music writing as like a factory, like a hit factory. You Definitely, know? there's a total narrative about it. But it's that, like yeah. the beauty of pop music, I think, is that the, the best songs and the ones that really live the whole life are made in the same way that you make a friend, you make a song with your friends, you know? Okay. It's like just pure passion and pure love for music and a real connection between people. Um, and I think like that's that's beautiful and I think, I mean, I still think about it. Just like pop music songwriting is the most—it's the most intimate and the most like open experience I've ever experienced. Like when you make like a beat with a friend, it's kind of like, no, don't do that. It's not cool. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, don't don't put that sound on there. It's weird, <laughs> right? But pop music, it's at least in my experience, it's very much like I don't know. Try it. See what happens. Like, what's right. on your mind? Like. Also, because you're having to like say lyrics out loud, which <laughs> as someone who's mostly written songs by myself in my bedroom, that is hard. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's very like, yeah, I, f I find that experience really, really invigorating. And so now that you're, but yeah, I, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. I feel like this the session system sounds to me, because Chelsea talked about this as well 
I have a friend, um, Sophie, who is Lavina, and yeah. she's talked to me about this stuff as well because I, I, I have nothing to do with sessions. Like, yeah. I've done one. Yeah. I sang on a track for chores because Alex Wildwood was like, I need someone who's a bit shit to come in. And I'm <laughs> like, I was working at the cafe across the road. And I was like, yeah, sick. I'll come yeah. in and sing a song. Yeah. Um, it, it seemed, but from what I can gather, it kind of looks like it's really just a, it's just a pro- productivity tool it's a system of like maybe we will get more out of it if we set our like musicians up this way. Yeah. And I've, I, I, I'm thinking more and more about why don't little scenes or communities or like groups of friends who yeah. are doing their own thing as artists and meeting with one another adopt the productive system of constant sessions. Yeah. So it's instead of just doing it with the whole like we're going to pair up randoms and those randoms are picked by forces outside of our control. Yeah. We're just going to do the same thing, but we're going to pick who's in there for the, for actual reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, this is, a, this is maybe, maybe, maybe this complaint is too, is too real for New Zealand, but like one of my like real problems with the way the pop industry works here is that you get like a young singer who's like, has potential or whatever and then is exciting and then they just put them with Joel Little or Josh Fountain who are amazing there's no doubt about that but it's like Joel Little is only who he is because he made music with his friends right yeah like it's they're trying to skip the thing that made those people yeah what they are anyway because why can't why can't say you know a young singer who's 17 they probably have a friend who makes beats why not put them together and like try build them into something because then that person could end up being the next or little, you know? Of course. Look, and I, people who listen to this podcast will know I have um, some, what could be described as strong feelings about the funding system uh, in New Zealand. But I will, what I will say, because I'd like to try and speak my opinion as much as possible is that that is a really good point. And I really think that the producer funding that, they're trying to do and that Greg Haver's been on here and talked about yeah. is in some ways a good tool yeah. to try and make that happen, I think. Yeah, I think that's I think that's that's also like one of the most interesting things. Because I producers have been undervalued yeah. for so much in terms of like what they can bring to the final Yeah, definitely. Product in, in terms of like as being artists themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Also I feel like the number one most useful thing you can give a young artist is money. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there's just no question about it. It's like if they have whatever a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars, it means that they don't have to do other shit. That yeah. Week or it's a time economy thing. Yeah. It's just like so important. I mean, that's 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 the only reason I like am here is because I had the time and I had the things that the money came in and I was good for six months or whatever. You know. It's, mm, yeah. It's like such a privilege and so many people do not have that privilege. No. It's this, yeah, the part-time warriors who have to try and like... Exactly. Like yeah. that's impossible. Like I'm like, I feel sorry for them. Am I talking to you? <laughs> no, yeah. I've said to, I've, I'm, I'm famous is the wrong word, but like I'm known within my circle of friends as someone who will talk to a creative friend who's working a job mm-hmm. into, I think you should quit your job. Yeah. Because... Yeah. And it's only like I work six till like two. 
Yeah. That's a perfect, I can do full time in that because I still have the whole afternoon. Yeah. If, you, if, you're, if you're good working in a cafe with those hours and you're a morning person, like, yeah. perfect. But there are people that I meet and people out there who have, who try and do the creative life with a job thing, but the job is a nine to five or even worse, like something else that's even more hours. Yeah. It is, it is romantic to think that you can stay, have dinner and then you're going to sit down in the dark and make music till one in, or two in the yeah. morning. And I know people tell stories about that. That's what they did. But honestly, like it's, you have to be a rare individual to work a nine to yeah. five and actually be creative after that. Like, yeah, or even like, you know, there are a lot of people who have creative jobs and then that's just taking up all their creativity. You yeah. Know? If they're working as a designer or whatever, at the end of the day, they don't feel like being creative because they just spend the entire day thinking about creatives and making solutions to problems. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, money. We, yeah. All need, we all need it's money. It's money, yeah. <laughs> um, I, you were talking a lot about how, oh, again, like breaking the fourth wall, we, we talked before we turned the microphones on because it's not all about content here. That's right. Um, about the fact that you, if you don't feel like making music, you don't feel like, like you're just like, uh, well, then I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it reminded me of like a, I think, um, fucking what is his name from Monty Python? And um, one of the main guys, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name right now. It's very embarrassing. But um, he just wrote a book about creativity. And one of the main ideas about it was that there's like a, Creativity is like a plane, and when you're in the air, that's that is you're in the zone. Things are happening. Yeah. But there's a whole takeoff part to yeah. getting in the air, yeah. and that he equated taking the taking off part as basically like procrastinating and fucking around, or yeah. like living life. Yeah. Totally. And it kind of sounds like you're quite good. You've kind of understood that process quite well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm getting better at it. Also, just as I like sort of understand my own process more as I get older like it's I don't like being forced to work or like or you know it's like I I don't I don't like mornings like if right. I wake if I wake up at 8 a.m like <laughs> I'm just not going to be in the mood okay so what's 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 go to sleep hour usually for you and what's wake up hour? I mean it's it's different now because I I live with my partner so it's <laughs> we have a more regular schedule but yeah I mean it's like if you wake up at 1 p.m and you feel good when you wake up, amazing. If it works, it if works. If it works, it works. It's, it's, I mean, it like, it's, I just, it like working in that way, it, it feels like going to school to me. Like it was the, like my, my main problem right. in my entire high school life was I hate waking up and going to school. <laughs> school, I didn't actually mind that much, but it was the fact that I had to get up in the morning and go do that. That's very relatable. <laughs> so it's like if I if I ever feel like that with music, like it just kills like my creativity. Like Well, like uh, is it, it's not making it feel like a job. It's just making it feel like it's kind of a routine or. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely like, especially now as I do a bit more of the kind of production and mixing side of things, like that that kind of stuff functions better in a more regular way, like. I don't think mixing a record at 3 a.m. is actually a good idea because you're not, your ears are not. In I've a got good a friend space. who's like, oh, I only mix while I'm stoned. And I'm like, yeah. you are a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it that's seems the secret. to work. She makes amazing music. Yeah. But I'm just like, oh my God, I cannot imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just like whatever, whatever works for you. And that's, 
what works for me is like is if I'm feeling good and like I'm then I'm ready to do it. Yeah. Um I mean I think like I think it was Minsky who said something about like I'm gonna butcher this, but like it was about like you know, if 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 like making a good song is like fishing, like you anyone can fish and like get a fish if they have like a shitty rod. But like learning the skills and like building up your your confidence, that's that's getting the better fishing rod. Like the river is always going to flow, and there's always going to be fish in it. Um, but if you have the better equipment and you're better equipped to do that, you can do it more often, and you can get the bigger fish. I don't know, but it's like it's. I I I believe I believe in like in the magic quality of like creativity and the like. <laughs> like Bono calls it like when God walks into the room. Of course, he does. Which is a, a, very Bono. That's a Bonoism. But, um, <laughs> But like, like you feel like the feeling when you've like come across a great idea and you're like making it like that's like, that is the best feeling in the world. Mm. And I think all the other stuff around whatever learning instruments or stuff is just, I think it should be for the only purpose that is to facilitate that and to make that happen more. Like I have no idea how to play piano and I, I will probably learn at some point, but that's how I feel. But it, like, it's just like, it's not really relevant to what I'm doing right now. Mm. So I'm not gonna, and I don't know music theory. If, I've, if I felt like it was gonna really benefit being more creative, then I would do it. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, it makes me, cause you know, you, you come across as a very um, grounded, quite mature person. Thank you. <laughs> Um, and I did say to you before as well that like, like you said, you started when you were 14, yeah. you know, and you were playing at a festival where the average age was probably more around like 18. Yeah. And I'd say as you've gotten older, you've, that's that kind of gap in age has probably remained relatively the same. Like you've, you've, yeah, you've yeah. you know, you're slightly younger than a lot of people. Um, you, but... Uh, putting the music aside of it, like just as like a 14 year old guy, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, how is like growing up being, uh, being involved in, in, in such kind of a, like a vague thing as creativity and music yeah. and stuff like that. And also like moving around, like, yeah, as it, it, we, we, we like, were, were you always as measured as you are now or is it, have, is, is your music journey also been like simultaneous with like a personal growth journey? I think it is, it is simultaneous and, and I always explain my time in LA as like basically me going to university. Right, because how old were you when you turned up? I was 19. Right, cool. And I spent two years there and I, you know, spent all my money and, yeah. <laughs> you know, made friends and did all this stuff. Like it, it, it felt like that as in I learned more about myself and the industry than I did make great connections or whatever you know like um it has been it is like i feel like my conversations with people who are not musicians it's been a very similar like personal path over the last you know since i was 18 but i think like just the the constant through line is that like i just i just it was the only thing i cared about was music it didn't matter <laughs> what else was happening and i yeah. feel like i'm like so grateful for that because like even even like the whole like 
you know, when you're a teenager and you're like discovering your sexuality and like all these things, like it was obviously there were challenges and like figuring out I was gay, but like it was not really a problem because all I cared about was music. Right. <laughs> you know, it was, that was the thing that drove me and it, it keeps driving me, you know, it's like, I feel like I didn't have the, a lot of people have a really tough time around figuring out their self and that kind of thing, but I didn't because it was just, just going to keep playing shows or just keep playing music. That's interesting. So you, it didn't, it, it kind of makes it sound like you, not that you benefited from not focusing on it, mm. but that the fact that it wasn't centralized made it slightly easier because there was yeah. something a bit more universal to focus on. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think that around, you know, especially like in high school where it's like, I feel like when I was like 16 or so, like it was really hard, but then after people, after kind of my, my um, career, quotes. More, more, more quotes, yeah. <laughs> yep. um, it was, it, after that started, like started looking like it was going to be a thing. So I didn't have to think about what I was going to do after school or whatever, you know, it was just, oh, I can just, I can just ride the rest of the school experience out and then go make music. Yeah. I didn't, I, I, I feel like the weight got kind of lifted. It's nice. It, it, for, for me, because I, uh, you know, I'm straight, so I, I don't have any real experience of ever having to think about my sexuality in any yeah. terms other than it, than it just being like what it is for me, you know. Yeah. So when I hear you talking about that, I actually hear the, um, the positivity of, 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 of kind of having a fulfilling focus. Yeah. On, like almost like a pillar or yeah. something that, uh, that you have, uh, it's it's half a choice, half like a compulsion that yeah. you actually got to like hold on to when you were doing it. You know, yeah. I think that's some. I think that's a, a something that's might be growing harder and harder for younger people to actually have the more spread out because of the internet. Essentially, like identity or yeah. interests can actually be. You know, yeah. yeah. I feel I, I've I said to someone else the other day. I was like. I cannot imagine being a high schooler with Instagram. Like, did you, did you, what kind of social media was at the tail end of your high school experience? I mean, there was Instagram, but I feel, again, I was just like, <laughs> I was on Twitter when I was 12 talking to music nerds. Like, yes. <laughs> I was on a different bus. <laughs> I, I kind of want to ask you about as well, because I, I wasn't ever, James was my connection to like music forum culture. Yeah. I was never a big music forum guy. I did read, I, I consider myself quite an, a normie, really. Yeah. Um, I would read Pitchfork. James would lend me his NMEs every now and then. Yeah. Um, I'm probably at the, um, I'm probably, gaining in my nerdom, nerddom now as like a 30-year-old. Yeah. Um, if like you, you had all your forums that you were like really getting into shit on. Yeah. If, 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 if you were like that age but now or like people you know now, where, yeah. where is that kind of culture happening on the internet? Where, are, where is like the excitement for young people finding things? Is it TikTok? Is I mean, it? Yeah, maybe it's TikTok. I mean like... But that's not really nerdy, is it? But there's like, still like there's like still like really big communities on Reddit and on and even Twitter and Instagram. Like there are communities within that, even though it's not really set up for communities. That if you exist and you follow all these people and they follow you, that's a community. Yeah, right. Um, I mean that like SoundCloud was kind of similar for me at, at that time, and I think it still is. But 
in a different way because that platform has just changed. But like, it was just, I put out music and then someone else would follow me and then I'd check out their music and be like, oh, this is really sick. Yeah. And maybe we'd make something together or whatever. Like that, that's what built, built the communities. Um, but I mean, I, I just feel like, I feel like most people, they just, they'll find, they'll find the people they need to find. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. something something will excite them enough that yeah. Because that's why I, I, something I think about quite a lot these days is is kind of, I just have a real sense that there's not really, there's not much traditional gatekeeping or like taste making going on. Yeah, and then, which I th- I think is kind of true. Yeah, um, and then because I'm old and out of touch, I also can't see the like natural. Uh, almost like relevant young person swapping of that culture either. So it makes me yeah. feel like nothing's happening, yeah. which obviously is not the case. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Maxwell Young. Yeah. I mean, is there anything more exciting than almost like the young pop scene at the moment with like Maxwell Young and Tom Verburn and like yeah. Lavina and all that shit? Like yeah. that, that, that shit is like legitimately amazing. And, and I think like yeah. we'll look back on it and be like, these are all here doing this yeah. shit. I mean, I feel like that's the 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 kind of, difference of what what I what I like think has happened in New Zealand music is that like maybe five, ten years ago there were people who were doing really cool things and like, you know, building careers, but I kinda didn't I feel something I have to ask if I hear about someone like who's like just worked with someone really cool or like um isn't an exciting, you know, prospect of pop music or whatever. I, I, I have to ask, like, do they actually like music? <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole can of worms, isn't it? But yeah. it's like that's what I think that's the thing that really sets a lot of people apart is that like there are people who just want to be a want to be a pop star or want to be like a. Is it weird being in a? Because obviously that's that's not something you have to really worry about at the kind of bands that were playing at camp, right? No, no, of course not. Is it kind of what? How does it feel being in a kind of section of the industry where there are kind of two different, like both of those people say someone who just wanted to have a certain aspects of of being in music, yeah, could say, well, I'm in pop, while someone like yourself or like Maxwell could say, I'm in pop, say the same sentence but yeah. mean something different. Yeah, is that like a hard thing? Is that a hard thing to navigate? I mean, I mean, like I'm. I mean, I'm sort of an outsider. Like I can just like, as, as I, can as I said shit. to you, before, yeah. as I said to you before this podcast, I was like, if I meet someone who I don't gel with, like I just won't talk to them again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just very similar. To I'm me, like yeah. just like not. I've always existed in this way where it's like I don't, I don't feel I need to please everyone or be friends with everyone. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. I just look. Can you convert? Because like I really like you and I like your music. Yeah. Pop this whole poptimism thing. Yeah. That we're the era of poptimism. Yeah. Um, why can you can you sell me on why it's it's real and justified? Well, it's. I think that word is loaded. Okay. Because initially I thought it was bullshit. Okay. Because like, I mean, literally at, at and whatever it was like what twenty fourteen or whatever it was, people who liked Taylor Swift because they heard the Ryan Adams cover album of mm. nineteen eighty nine, and it's like. Do you like pop music or do you like this old white guy's take on it? Yes. Um, and that's like, I remember the first Rhythm and Vines I went to and like, you know, there all these, I feel like that festival has changed for the better since that time. But 
you know, there were just all these kind of DJs playing trap music, but they were playing like, here's a remix of a Two Chains song that I made, the white guy from Sweden. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's like, do you like do you like this music? Do you like Two Chains? Because I like Two Chains. I'll listen to Two Chains. You could just play Two Chains. <laughs> Why not just play Two Chains? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think like we're we're in such a better position than we were when I, I mean, I had that period when I was whatever, 14 or whatever, and I, I hated pop music. And I was like, honestly, because I discovered Radiohead and was like, this is real music. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's moody and like yeah. interesting. Um, but then after a while, it was just like, just discovering the music that I loved when I was a kid. Like, I, you know, I have no shame in saying that like most of what I listen to is U2, Coldplay, The Beatles, like just the music that like made me fall in love with music. Like, like almost like the Hall of Fame songwriters you're kind of describing there. Well, it's just like they, I feel like they're just people who had ambitions larger than making something with an interesting time signature, which is like all great and like, but it's just not for me, that kind of music. We're coming for you, Kingers and the Lizard Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. Like, I, because I think the thing, because I'm very from, uh, you know, I I'm I was born in '91, yeah. so like my teenage years were like when Pitchfork and all these things were like 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 exact was very similar to yourself, yeah. Which really shaped I think a lot of my view of music, which I'm really unraveling as yeah. I get older. I think, and I think I think that's what optimism is, and I like I I totally understand that because mm. yeah, I did the same thing. It's like you have to unlearn the things you learned when you were 16 and like moody and like. <laughs> Hated everything that filled with hormones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just stuck in Timaru. Oh, um, I just, I also wanted, like, I'm glad that I, uh, I know I've already brought up the fact that you guys opened um, in Burgundy, Rome. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, one of the two points in my life where I felt uh, uh, embarrassed about the order or like the context of the gig. It, I, like yeah. it, it was that one where I was like, really, it should be males to cartoons in Ontario. like seeing you guys play <laughs> was fucking crazy. And then the other, the other time was when um, we, I think on that same tour, we played Auckland and Artisan Guns open for Whoa. open for us. Artisan Guns are like one of my all time favorite oh New Zealand bands. They're so good. Yeah. I I I rewatched their um in session that the BFM one around yeah. here so often. Matthew Young, if you're out there, please. Like I get it. <laughs> I get it. You're doing something completely different. I really like it as well. I just really still want to listen to that album. Yeah, can you I please know. put it back on streaming? I think it's on Bandcamp. You can buy it. I know, but I'm I so lazy. Gets that money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so lazy. I put. It, I get it on Apple Music. Yeah. I want to share it with friends. They're not on Bandcamp. Yeah, I agree. I'm sure you're listening, Matthew. <laughs> 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 um, this has been really good. Good fun. I've, uh, it's been it's uh, I've never had a proper long conversation with you, but mm. I think there's like a weird, there's like a, a there's like two things with you. One is like this weird, I would I would say weird, like almost mystique kind of thing. Just because you was that whole narrative, like you were really young when you started out, yeah. And I think that like carries on. I think there's yeah. a whole infatuation with youth and the music industry yeah. that um, that's hard to shake. I mean, that so that's another thing I was going to say that like with my experience i know that all the things that like people are excited like about my narrative none of those things are things that i think about every day 
I made a song with Ty Dolla Sign. It was an, a stupid experience that did nothing for me. Yeah. But it's still the thing people talk to me about the most. And it's like these things that are like amazing on paper and not the things that build you as a person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's why I think it was really, it's really nice to sit here and talk to you because it's not your... I, 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 I kind of knew very clearly that you, you, there's a very different thing yeah. of like that, that narrative of a person as it is with everyone. Yeah. And, I, yeah and, and, and obviously like people think very highly of you, people who know you. Not just people who know your music. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's always a really good sign. That's nice. It's really, it's very nice. nice. You've done well, Eddie. <laughs> now I can retire. <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, let's, before we go though, mm-hmm. you do have a new song coming out. Yeah. Um, what, what's the deal? What's it's, the deal with this? It's the first single of side two of my album. Beautiful. Can, can you... I've got to say the when I see and again this is coming from some, someone who doesn't talk to a lot of people about this kind of stuff so it's like yeah. almost like a normie reaction to it. Yeah. Albums split up into side one and side two. My initial reaction is is either a the um, potentially the album's not finished but a group a batch of them is let's just put them out now mm-hmm. or two is that I the artist still really likes albums but is reacting to an industry that's changing so is splitting those two up um, because of that uh, yeah. how are each of those wrong or right or what's what's the thinking actually behind someone who is doing a part one and a part two the your your first point is a consequence of the second oh okay as in I did not have it all finished because I knew that I was gonna split it up right okay it's yeah it's just a, it's just it's just working with what we've got. I feel like that's, that's, I, I really enjoy reading discussions about, about the future of streaming and all these ideas that people are coming up with. But in, in, in day to day, it's just about doing the best with what we've got. Well, you're playing, it's like playing the game with your tastes. Yeah. Like I'll play the game to an extent, you know, Mm. I'll do, I'll do everything I can to make things work as long as it's not, literally changing my art or whatever you know but it's like if i have an album what does splitting it into who does that harm really that's kind of my opinion yeah because in five years it will look like one album no one will remember that it was in two parts yeah true and i think like um because hayley williams has done that yeah Uh, there was another artist who who did it as well but um it's just we've put albums up on this fucking yeah. pedestal and yeah. like it's so uh, I'm a very late comer to the Beatles it's funny that they've come up so much <laughs> yeah. but um, I don't know if you've met Brad who was in uh, Tokyo Tunes obviously yeah. um, he and he was like the traditional music listener of the two of us right. and um, I was such a charlatan and such like a I mean ignorant to, to be clear I don't think anyone needs to listen to the Beatles no no totally but like also probably uh, refusing to listen to the Beatles for no reason is probably not great that's either. fine too <laughs> it doesn't matter but, none um, of that stuff matters none of it matters I love, you heard it here I love the Beatles and I love everything about it but it is not consequential to the music we make today. no no not at all not at all <laughs> and i um uh, i've actually oh but yeah but they just fucking like they just put singles together and made an album yeah and then we were like oh albums are cool yeah but i we i think musicians my main message is probably let's you should all sit down and really 
critique and think about all the things that musicians do. Yeah. Because they, they aren't just like from a burning bush mm. from God. Like this was this is what you have to do as a musician. It's all just been made up and we've just carried it on. Yeah. So maybe there's some of it you don't have to do. Yeah. Maybe you want to like, well, uh, well, I like albums, but fuck, I don't have to release it all. Like wait and release it once. But, yeah. you know, do that to everything. Yeah, no, that's, that's I think that's exactly right. Um, but to bring it back to the new song, mm-hmm. why is this song on side two and not on side one? I mean, I still, I still, I like structuring albums in a traditional way where like side two does feel different. What's the difference in, in the two of them for you? It's a bit, it's a bit, the production's a bit more filled out. There's a bit more. Um, stuff going on mm. also I feel it's a bit more indulgent which probably means it won't do as well <laughs> but hey um, I mean like I, honest, I'm, at, I'm at a point kind of similar to like the conversation about albums where like I, I've, I've realised especially while I was in LA I realised that all the music I love the most was just made because we've booked a tour in a year <laughs> Um, and we have to make an album <laughs> yeah. to sell tickets for the tour. Yeah. So they just go to the studio and do it. There's no grand concept or incredible plan they've got about what this album's going to sound like. They just have a couple of ideas, and then they go write some songs and record it. It was most of my favorite music was made just because they had to make music to get to the next thing. So I'm trying to take that and just be like, I'm just making music. If I write 100 songs and only one of them works... Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that is such a beautiful way to end the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. I think a lot of people would have, uh, have learned a lot from hearing you talk, and I'm really glad that you came on and talked a lot about this stuff because it's, it's great shit. I love talking about music. <laughs> <laughs> you get you on a fucking... You need like an... You should, you, you, I'm going to add you to my list of people who should have for like an Apple Beats radio show. Do you know what I mean? I feel like, I feel like when I'm like 50, I'm just going to have like one of those one-man radio shows where I just talk to myself. For you're, the new, you're the new John Peel yes. and you can put that on a, on a press release whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming down Eddie thanks so much for having me and um, we'll see thank you for listening everybody it's um, uh, it will, a new episode every Sunday see you Love next it. Sunday see ya <laughs>